0: Deals. And Bonds hits right high. Hits it deep. It is out Three here. And two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the back. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight and the Mets win it. Holliday is one strike away. The 0-2. A bouncer. Ruiz. In time. Roy Holliday has thrown a no-hitter! I hope I can steal a little summoning from you, there. Three balls, two strikes, the pitch. swinging it a long drive! Deep left field! Joy! Joy! Let's go! Dean
1: Ash, on the line! That'll be me a line for a base hit! Here comes Joy! Here is Junior to third base! They're going to wave him in! The throw to the plate will be
0: late. The Mariners... Here's the pitch on the way. A swing and a belt. Left field. Way
1: back. Blue Jays win it. The Blue Jays are World Series champions. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Show Baseball Podcast. As always, is your host Ryan, a.k.a. RyRy, once again joined by Chris, a.k.a. Schwebzy. Hi, friends. Getting into the dog days, the doldrums, the long dark of the winter of the baseball season. However, we are huddled around the hot stove, and for once, it is lit. A lot of things have happened since last week. Uh, Some trades and some other things, and... We
0: are almost far enough away from the end of the season where I've convinced myself the Nationals have not won the World Series. Almost. Almost. It's a little almost. too fresh still.
1: Have, have you been able to convince yourself that Jared Kalinick is no longer a Mets prospect now? And who? he's with the Mariners? Okay. Who? Good. Okay. I don't, Good. I don't know who
0: you're talking about.
1: All right. There's, there's my one per episode. Got it done early. And uh, we're going to move on now to the Braves adding yet another piece, this time picking up Travis Darno on a two year deal. Is it a small I like move? it. You like I it? I like it.
0: Uh, so it's not just because he's a former Met. Uh, he had his moments with the Mets. But the reason I like it for the Braves is that they had some very obvious holes coming into this offseason. And they've made some quick, decisive signings to fill those holes with seemingly quality players.
1: So I like the moves too. However... Are they spending in the right holes to fix? Is signing Travis Darno to five, years, $5 million a year for two years, instead of trying to save money and just calling up a backup catcher, worth spending that money on him versus spending, you know, that $5 million on maybe somebody in that rotation? I know they have a lot of pitching prospects, but you do need that veteran to teach them at some point I know they fixed the bullpen, but you can always spend more because it is, to be honest, a crapshoot every year. So, I like the deal. I just don't know if I like it in Atlanta.
0: So, I, I the thing is, let's say let's say Atlanta signs I don't know uh, Madison Bumgarner. Yeah do you do you really want Bumgarner taking up a rotation spot for three, four years when they have as many pitchers in that system as they do?
1: But we're talking about prospects versus established starters, and I understand pitchers decline at 32, 33, and all that aside. However, somebody needs to, whether it's a pitching coach, whether you get a younger pitching coach, or an analytic driven pitching coach, or a veteran pitcher, to teach them the difference between throwing and pitching.
0: I think you can get that value from the coaching staff. I, I don't. I don't think you need a veteran starter. I
1: guess I'm but, an old school guy when I talk. about so, stuff yeah. A little so bit. they
0: just lost. They just lost Julio Terra, their you know 22 time opening day starter. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't think anyone. Is like, oh no, we're losing his veteran leadership. Oh no, is he, who's going to teach our youngsters how to pitch now? Like,
1: no one, no one cares. I mean, they also losing Dallas Keuchel out of that rotation too.
0: Yeah, but I, to be fair, he was only there for a couple months.
1: Yeah, what, July to July to September.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Never heard never heard too much about how uh, how well Keuchel was was uh, getting along with the young guys. Knowing, That's true too. You
1: know, That's true too. Um, I
0: just i I, I think I'm too. I, I I just never really give any credence to that stuff. I I, I I struggle to assign value to things that you can't, you know, put numbers on, like veteran leadership, veteran presence,
1: yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, although I think it is important, and I think a team that values it made a deal between last episode and this one to get it for their young pitching prospects, which is the White Sox signing Grandal to a four-year deal.
0: Yes, another deal that I like a lot.
1: I love uh, this deal for the White Sox. Yes. It, so
0: they had... um, who, who was their catcher last year? It wasn't McCann. They sent McCann to Detroit, right?
1: Yeah, they sent James McCann to Detroit. I don't even remember who their catcher was last year. Castillo? Possibly. Wellington? I think it was hey, Wellington I, Castillo, yeah.
0: The important thing is we have no idea who the hell the White Sox's catcher was last year, and that's a bad sign for I, the White Sox.
1: I think I think this is actually a really good signing twofold. I think the primary purpose is you have a really good framing catcher who is a veteran presence, who can call really, really good games for the countless young pitchers they have now. Kopech. Yeah. This Case, is, it's it's I think. like that. This
0: is like that meme where like the two really buff arms are shaking hands. And uh, in the middle is Yasmani Grandal, left and right is analytics and uh, and veteran guys. Yeah, exactly. He brings that veteran presence, but also he brings a substantial skill in his pitch framing, which cannot help but improve a pitching staff.
1: And secondarily, I think he has the added benefit of being a three or five hitter, and bringing that veteran presence to the lineup, too.
0: How many power-hitting, switch-hitting catchers are there in baseball?
1: There have been probably, what, two all-time?
0: Not yet. It's not a ton. Uh, I mean, the, the most recent one uh, is Posada, I think. Um, And Posada was not as strong defensively as Grindel.
1: Yeah, I literally literally, Posada and Grindahl are the two.
0: So Grindel is Wait, a Matt relatively... Wieters
1: was, Matt Wieters was a switch-hitter, too. Although he had, like, that yeah, but, uh, good two-year stretch. Uh,
0: calling, calling him a hitter is, is generous. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember Matt Wieters' memes? that was, remember that was when he was
1: time. really good for one year and somehow got a two-year, $30 million deal out of it with the Nationals? Ugh.
0: I, I I really hope that uh, Roushman is, is not another Wieters.
1: Uh Me too. Um, uh, I don't know. I, re- I think Randall is my favorite signing. Of the offseason so far in terms of just perfect fit
0: yeah so the white Sox have a just just a, just a, a line of of young pitchers waiting so they've got giolito they've got renaldo lopez they've got uh god starts with a d i'm forgetting dunning. but um dunning that's it the uh, other other Kobe. piece
1: in the eaton deal
0: yeah, Kobe, Kopech. Uh, they, they've Dylan just got... Cease,
1: who had Cease, uh, amazing yeah. fall league or winter league. I can't remember which one he played in.
0: They have so many pitchers. Uh, they're all, with the exception of, like, Ivan Nova. Is, is Nova a free agent?
1: Yes, he's a free agent.
0: Yeah, so he's gone. But So they just have this, this parade of young, great stuff, maybe don't know what they're doing pitchers, and now they have someone to guide them. They have someone who's called games at a high level and will steal them strikes with regularity. It's, yeah, it's a great signing, I think.
1: It's an all-around great signing. A a deal that I questioned earlier today when it was announced that I like more and more the more I look at it was Gibson getting a three-year deal with the Texas Rangers.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. you, You were talking to me earlier about uh, a possible deal with a pitcher going to uh, Texas, and we were saying uh, you were talk- we were talking about a possible trade, and we I, I said like I would love to see what Texas's coaching staff does with this guy. Yes, and shortly after we talked about that, Gibson went to Texas and yes. same same thing. Same thing. I am so if, if Texas could turn Lance Lynn and Mike Miner into literally two of the best pitchers in the AL. Right, I am is Kyle excited.
1: Gibson to go to now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. And you know, he's coming from a good coaching staff. Yeah. So maybe it's just more of the same. I, but more of the same is good.
1: I forgot which Twins beat writer tweeted it out, but I think the uh, congratulations to Kyle Gibson on his 2020 AL Cy Young <laughs> pretty much wrapped that up in a nice package. Like he Kyle has, Gibson. He's always had this his stuff. Slider, he's his always slider had this was stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of these it's one of these things where I think a change of scenery and getting with the right coaching staff could elevate him to, you know, the level we saw Lance Lynn and Mike Minor pitch in Texas last year. So, I am very excited. They needed another starting pitcher to that rotation. They're trying to contend next year in their new stadium. This might be just step one of their multi-step plan to get into contention next year. And
0: I I know I know what you think the next big step is.
1: Yeah, possibly. That's that's always that's always on the table. So so uh,
0: for those who don't know, Rai is very hard am... on the Rendon to Texas bandwagon. I
1: am wholly on the Rendon to the Rangers bandwagon. He can uh,
0: he he can like have a stupid beard contest with a uh, uh O'Dor.
1: Yeah, he can. Yeah. Although really his, his stupid beard. his stupid afro from a couple of years ago though tops his stupid goatee. <laughs> to be fair, um. And the last one, Drew Pomerantz getting a four-year deal? What? What? <laughs> I am so confused on so many levels right now.
0: Drew Pomerantz has gone from Cut promising twice pitcher. twice last year. Like, he was a promising starter, then he was a disappointing starter, then he was a promising starter again, then he a disappointing starter again, and now he's the... Next Josh Hader.
1: And now he's the second best left hander reliever on the market and gets a four-year deal with a potential fifth year to bring the total contract value up to forty million dollars?
0: Trevor Rosenthal, not Trevor Rosenthal, Ken Rosenthal, very different. Uh Ken Rosenthal tweeted out a blurb accurate, about... <laughs> <laughs> t- t- tweeted out a blurb about Pomerans, where after after the trade to Milwaukee. Pomeranz had the fourth highest K rate among all pitchers mm-hmm. behind only, uh, I think it, it was Nick Anderson, which if you pay any attention to Nick Anderson, it's not surprising. He struck out like half the pit batters he faced. It was insane. Uh, Tyler Duffy, which is what? surprising. <laughs> yeah. Right. Really? Tyler Duffy. What? Garrett Cole, a starting pitcher, which is just, you know, another feather in his, WTF season cap. cap like okay whatever starting pitcher it's insane but then yeah Drew Pomerantz who again was a bust of a starting pitcher as recently as six months ago yeah so and now he's got a four-year deal as a reliever it's insane
1: yes it's a- it's absolutely absolutely nuts
0: how many relievers get four-year deals in general nowadays not many Basically none.
1: I Total sideways slant on this, too. I think the reason relievers stopped getting such long deals was one offseason, and I know one of them is still pitching at an all-star level, but has had his struggles, was how bad Melanson was when he signed his six-year deal. And how bad... Jansen was in streaks when he signed his six-year deal with the Dodgers that one offseason you haven't seen anybody get close to that dollar value over that many years since then since that offseason
0: so I don't know I don't know if it's one offseason as much as the general the trend of offseasons getting smarter yeah because as, as we know 60 innings is a small sample size most relievers pitch what 60 to 80 innings at best in in a healthy season so yeah just reliever volatility in small sample sizes has made teams realize that it's just not a good use of their resources to spend that much money over that many years on relievers
1: no but perfect transition you know what is market efficiency now Signing your guys in double A to multi year deals and buying out all of their R in order to call them up next year.
0: This is like, this was like the Mariners just going to every like savvy analyst and writer and, and just, it's like them pushing and pushing and seeing like, you know, how smart is too smart.
1: Yeah. So if you guys haven't heard the news, the Mariners signed Evan White to a six year deal.
0: And the right answer to that is who?
1: Uh, yeah, exactly who. Um he's the first minor league prospect the Mariners have had who's put up one war or more as a first baseman since two thousand and nine. Just to show how bad their farm system has been in first base. I, I I mean, this is a guy who only has like a WRC of ninety five in double A last year and only projects for like I think one war in the majors next year, like I don't get this.
0: um, he's not good oh well okay, no sorry that's that's aggressive he's he's a good minor league hitter, but that's in double A and that's in double a with a 346 Babbit. um he's got reviews as a great fielder. Yeah. So that brings value, but at first base, only so much value.
1: They had a ton of errors at first base last year, though.
0: That's uh, because they were playing Dan Vogelbach. It's hard to it's hard to uh, play yeah. first base with no neck. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I just I, I don't like the idea of, of locking up James Loney to a long-term deal.
1: I, I don't know. I I also feel like they're an organization that realizes they have a bunch of guys in their farm system now that are going to make a lot of money in arbitration. And if they're trying to be too smart for their own good and signing some of these fringe guys to these type of deals to save money to keep more of them longer.
0: All right. Who can you think of that got a deal like this early on, very early on in their careers? Um, There was Longoria. Yeah. There was um, John Singleton, who was an absolute bust.
1: Yeah, I was going to say John Singleton, who was a bust, is actually probably the most reminiscent of this. Um, Scott Kingery.
0: Um, Brandon Lowe. Yeah. And there's a trend here where these guys were all big-time prospects. Yeah. Like, the worst prospect of the bunch was probably Brandon Lowe, and Brandon Lowe... Uh, demonstrated some skills that seemed like they would translate, and it's yeah. the Rays, so you know you, you tend to trust the Rays. Yeah, but I, I, I this feels different. It just, I, I think Evan White was like their number. What, what was he like? Their number three or four prospect? Yeah, I think so. And he's a first baseman who are, yeah. We we've talked about this here before. First baseman just aren't dozen. Yeah, yeah like if he if he comes up and he hits like i don't know if he has like an 825 OPS with good defense at first base like you be, you that's the guy you want as your first baseman for like 5 10 years
1: that's the guy you want your first as first baseman for the next 6 seasons at like you know 3.8 million dollars a year i mean the fact that it is 3.8 million dollars a year i it kind of makes sense
0: yeah all right so if if he comes up and he puts up 2 2.5 WAR a year then it will be a win. Yeah. Like, it's technically a win, but it's like, that's what you want to strive for? Like, minor wins? Like, that's just, like, fucking swing bigger. Try harder. higher.
1: I ultimately think that this is a pinching penny, long-term move to pinch pennies where they can three or four years from now when they're paying a lot of prospects a lot of money their first year in arbitration.
0: Yeah, it's like I, I, I don't hate the thought process, but I feel like they should have tried this on a different player, like I don't Kyle Lewis or Kellenick.
1: Like this, this, this is four, this is five D chess. When they stood, of, should have stuck to like three D chess. Yeah, I think that's the best yeah. way to put it. God, we spent a lot of time on that. Um, moving on to another mind boggler. Actually, though, the Brewers trade right-handed pitcher Zach Davies and outfielder Trent Grisham to San Diego. For Eric Lauer Lauer, Luis Urias, and a player to be named later, or cash considerations.
0: Several things about this. That wasn't enough. Urias and Lauer. That wasn't enough. They're yeah. getting more. Yeah. All right. In, in in today's era of prospect valuation,
1: why did they trade would... Urias for this low?
0: Right. Uh he's got something like 300 major league at bats.
1: Are you, are you, um, you telling me that in the 3 months since the trade deadline he has Luis Urias has gone from a centerpiece of a possible Cindergard deal to only being worth Davies and Grisham and had to be packaged with someone else to get that?
0: Uh for what it's worth, if he was the centerpiece of a Cindergard deal, I would have lost my shit.
1: I think he was the centerpiece um, no, position you. player. I think they were also going to send what's his name. The maybe a second
0: players. piece, maybe a second. Yeah. Piece. But, um, all right. So let's, let's look at who the Padres are getting. So your eyes used to be a top prospect, like a, a legitimate top prospect yeah. in baseball. So for him, they're getting Zach Davies, who has a history of overperforming his peripherals. And he kind of has to, because his peripherals suck. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm uh, very much not a Zach Davies fan because I like guys who can strike out more than six people per nine innings. Yeah, uh, and I, I like guys who don't have FIPS that start with a five. Um, yeah, I'm just I, I don't like Davies uh, when he won 17 games in 2017. I I I basically uh, for, for six months I was angry. I,
1: I would I would much rather have Eric Lauer straight up over Zach. I don't get that part of the trade. And then I don't get Luis Urias for Trent Grisham. Isn't San Diego loaded at outfield?
0: I wouldn't say loaded because I saw someone tweet out that Trent Grisham technically projects to be their best outfielder, which kind of shocked me when I saw that. What
1: the heck?
0: All right. So in their outfield, the Padres have Renfro, who we all know hits tanks. Um, they yeah. have they have Franchi Cordero, who is an absolute tool shed that just can't stay healthy. They just t- traded for trammel, right? Yes. And uh they have Manny Margot, who is going to play every day, and uh he's not gonna lose playing time to Trent Grisham. Yeah. So who like I, I guess Grisham slots into right field for them? Or like, or, I like or
1: you're taking the or you're taking the the fact that you're probably only going to get seventy games from Cordero again.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like to to justify this, Grisham has to be like the guy in right field.
1: Defensive replacement for Renfro when he's not starting.
0: Yeah, just don't let him. Uh, just don't let him play in the playoffs. Yeah, in, uh, in right field.
1: I I saw a Nats fan be really really cynical about this today, and it was like. Can't make an error in the playoffs if you don't make the playoffs. Woof. And I'm like, Like, I don't know. We'll obviously get into this in like spring training, but like, I like the Padres in 2020 better than Brewers, to be honest. But my
0: my question is, I I, from the Padres' perspective, what were they trying to achieve here? Because. If you're doing this as the Padres, you have to think that um, either Davies or Grisham is going to significantly outperform one of the two guys you just traded. And you have to assume that out of that, out of those two possibilities, they're they're thinking that Davies is going to significantly outperform Lauer, which I don't know if that's going to happen because Lauer has better skills. Davies is a better pitcher, like you know capital p pitcher like he he knows what he's doing on the mound but laura has better stuff and uh, probably more potential right
1: yeah I, the other thing i want to know from the from the brewer's side is where is urias going to play shortstop so where does arcia go
0: i, I he might not be back
1: Or are they going to play, like, 3D chess and move Huria to third and play Urias at second?
0: They do still have Travis Shaw to think about.
1: He's their number one guy on their depth chart at first base with Moose
0: gone. Tim's is still there, right? Or is Uh, Tim's gone? Tim's gone. Hmm. I guess I could see it. Um... I know the 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 baseball writer sphere was was saying Urias at short, so but I I guess that could change.
1: Yeah, I mean their depth you chart know, at first base is Shaw, Saldano, and Braun.
0: I you probably want Braun to be the guy there eventually, right?
1: But it, it, and again, the thing is, is then do you really have Ben Gamble starting left field every day?
0: They should put Trent Grisham there. Oh wait.
1: Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> again. That's why this trade was a WTF when it was announced yeah, from just, a lot of angles.
0: Now, we're we're talking a lot about Urias like he's a gem, but on the other hand, he he's got those 300 at bats in the majors, uh, half a season basically, and he's kind of been asked that whole time. Um, mm-hmm. He basically never ever squares the ball up. His X stats show that he has earned the very, very bad line that he has put up. Uh, he doesn't hit the ball hard. He never squares it up. He uh, like his strikeout and walk rates, like pretty much everyone, have gone down since he got to the majors. So I mean, maybe the maybe the Padres have seen enough. Maybe they maybe they were convinced that he's never going to be all that great.
1: Yeah, it's entire. It's entirely possible. Um, who who the heck knows? It's just, it's just one of those deals. that doesn't look good on paper for either team, but those usually turn out to be the deals where both teams get what they need somehow. Yeah,
0: it's and weird. Like, baseball's of, weird like that. Speaking of things that don't look good,
1: who got DFA today? John- or straight up waived Jonathan VR from Baltimore. And he's Weird. expected what? to elect free agency.
0: He had a four-war season this year.
1: Yes, he did.
0: The guys that put up four-war seasons don't get waived.
1: I am so confused how no one was interested in trading for this guy. That it,
0: I don't think I've seen a more egregious case of cutting costs than this, ever.
1: Yeah absolutely well you know they have to they are crying poor right now in Baltimore they can't pay the Nats the 99 million dollars they owe them yeah but I
0: if you can't even afford to put quality major leaguers on the field why are you an NLB
1: franchise yeah, yeah
0: that's such a problem I
1: and this is obviously biased because I am a Nats fan and they own my team's TV rights they have been fighting the money from 2016 to 2015 in court for four years now, and it still won't be resolved. It will go to a fifth year in 2020. They're doing this with players like Jonathan VR. They're trying to trade Dylan Bundy. They're trying to get the number one overall pick two years in a row and put out the worst possible roster they can. At what point does someone, like and it has to be the commissioner, step in and say, you are hurting the good of the game, and use the clause that was put in the CBA to remove owners for this exact reason? What is the line, and where is it?
0: How many games does Baltimore win next year?
1: Under fifty
0: so if they 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 I mean they've already lost they are uh it seems like they're gonna trade Bundy.
1: Yeah. how
0: many all right they are actively way.
1: trying to trade Bundy like
0: yeah uh, another another way to think about this how many players on the Orioles make the Yankees team? one one like. Michael Givens?
1: Yeah. I can't
0: think of any others. Maybe maybe another reliever, but probably not.
1: Maybe Trey Mancini because they were so hurt last year? In yeah. In left field I, like, in first?
0: Can, yeah, Mancini has a bench bat, maybe.
1: I think Trey Mancini is the only one that makes most rosters in the MLB. I and do Gibbons, like it. I, And Givens.
0: I forgot about Mancini, like everybody else, because uh, it's the Orioles.
1: It's the Orioles. Nobody cares about them.
0: Yeah. Um... It's, give it,
1: Give them a new tough. owner. Who cares if they leave the city? Good riddance. It's, it's embarrassing. I'm sick of, I'm sick of like, the Angeles family. How?
0: Man. How do you? Well, I. You've got your reasons for that. Uh, I, but I'm just purely from a baseball perspective. It's. It's not good for the game. Uh, yeah. There's a difference between tanking and all caps tanking. Like, and yeah. they are doing the latter. Um, and, and they're
1: it, and they're saying, what was what's the difference between what we're doing and what the Nats and the Astros did? Um. The Nats were the Nats and the Astros actively put together rosters that were designed to win games. Not a lot of games, but
0: every time. Are they going to be favored in a single game this season? No. Like it's pretty clearly the worst roster in baseball.
1: Yeah,
0: and it's not close
1: by a long shot.
0: It's wild, and I mean, because of the nature of the game, like they're they're still going to win you know fifty games or so. Uh, Just because you know baseball has its randomness, but I would not be surprised if this goes down as one of the worst teams in history.
1: Yeah, they they all they were they were on pace to break the Cleveland Spider or the um was it the Cleveland Spiders loss record a couple years ago, and then went on that run in September to break it. But it's just disgusting, dude. It's actually disgusting.
0: Yeah, and I it, it bothers me all the more because. It's like 16 to 18 free wins for the Yankees every year.
1: And, you know, they 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 have all these prospects that they didn't call up last year that could have been called up, and I think they're going to do the same thing to them this year. And that's the difference between what the Orioles are doing and what the Nats and the Astros are doing. What did you see when the Astros and Nats were doing their tanking? They called up guys like Ian Desmond and Danny Espinosa to see what they had. Yeah, They yeah. called up guys like Michael Taylor early. The Astros called up Jose Altuve, you know? And, and Correa. They were still trying to win games... Just not, you know, 90. It's it's bad. And, it's just bad. And this is a microcosm you, you of a...
0: You've got to assume... So, uh, Rochman is... is uh, it, We're not going to see him this year, even if he's ready. We're not going to no. see him.
1: Um, And the organization is talking about forcing him to move to outfield now, too.
0: Uh, there's there's a precedent for it.
1: There is. There's you, a big I mean, precedent for it. Bryce Harper
0: right exactly that's exactly who I was thinking of but
1: it's also why we don't see any very many good hidden catchers anymore because they all get moved um, the other person who elected free agency obviously uh, also in the division is Greg Bird for the Yankees I care
0: much less about this one
1: I do too I feel like I feel like this is a one sentence thing he's going to make a really good left-handed platoon bat at first base for a team
0: maybe uh, he's you know or, or he'll just you know take up a space in, in someone's rehab room
1: yeah Entirely possible. I feel bad, dude. I liked the guy. Like he just couldn't stay healthy.
0: His his nickname is Bird Bones for a reason.
1: Yeah, that's that's fair. That's pretty fair.
0: Pretty sure they're hollow.
1: Yeah, it that that is entirely possible with his history of injuries. Um let's move on to the guy who controls free agency as much as he likes to deny Ooh. it
0: apparently what uh, I'm learning today is a man crush of yours let's let's hear let's hear about uh, I Scott absolutely
1: Boris a bit. hate Scott Boris as a human as a person I really do however uh, the way you were talking however, about him today however his interviews are the most fascinating things I have ever read
0: I take notes uh like for for when I have a kid in the future it's like I, I you know I take notes of the puns and the bad jokes
1: yeah it's great so Rosen, so, what started was before the GM meetings, Ken Rosenthal and others reported that Boris wouldn't meet with teams on Cole and his other free agents, um, Nick Castellanos, Anthony Rendon, Steven Strasberg, et cetera, until January. And he. So, quick quick interruption on that. Yeah. Um,
0: first of all, that's a who's who of free agents, which is, I mean, Boris is the best. He and controls. This is why. He is the agent he for does. six of the top 10 he free agents. He controls everything. In he and just got another thing, client
1: on that list in VR, too.
0: Yep, yep. But uh, the other thing about that is I don't I, I don't think I give this much credence. I, I think that might just be posturing. I don't think he's I, – I don't think Boris is rejecting calls until January.
1: But then he also said that he met with about eight teams during the GM owner meetings, too. There you go. So he's denied it. Um, but he also was asked um, by Bob Nightingale, everybody's favorite – Baseball boob. Boob. And was asked if the slow-free agency was his fault, and he had a really good quote on that, which is, fans want competition. They want to see baseball as baseball should be played, and they don't want a predictive-toned GM saying, well, be a good fan, and we'll compete three years from now. Are you listening, Orioles? Right. And this is why I wanted to bring this up and and talk to you. This is the real quote I wanted to talk to you about. Because he was asked about Saber metrics and free agency value and arbitration values and said this. The system as it currently exists does not properly place progressive values on players at all. It is always regressive. The reality is, is we have these excellent players performing at extremely high levels and they are undervalued by the system. Extremely undervalued by the system.
0: All right. I hate this and here's why. Uh he uses the word regressive the way that haters use the word regressive. Because you can regress positively.
1: and this That's is true.
0: That's a big thing in uh the the sabermetrics world. It's like, you know, you hear regress, regress, regress. Like uh I I'm trying to think of someone who had a really bad luck season. Um I don't know. Let's say Syndergaard, like Syndergaard's is...
1: first half versus his second half. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, but just on top, I had like Syndergaard, Syndergaard's going to regress next year, but it's probably going to be a positive regression.
1: Yeah. It's going to be a regression back to his means.
0: So like, I, I get, I, I know he's not trying to say that, but if you actually read that sentence and use the words the way that they, they're meant like it, he's actually shooting his own argument in the foot. It's like
1: uh, I how I read the quote is the current system of how front offices are evaluating players is regressive in that they're still relying on eye tests from Scouts and et cetera to determine their max offers.
0: Oh see, I read that completely differently. I I figure the way he's like I, I think he's bemoaning. Not wanting to pay an outlier, like not wanting to pay based on the one big year.
1: Yeah. Okay. I can, I can see that interpretation of it too. I, I think this is more of we have all these progressive stats and values to determine values of players, and front offices aren't using it because they can't get as cheap deals from the players. And therefore, it's regressive. That's how I took it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, I like, just an example like if Trey if trey mancini was a free agent right now do you think he gets a big deal no and that's because mentally you're like maybe a fluke
1: or how good can he really be doing that on the orioles but
0: so and (laughs) i think that i think that's what boris is getting at it's like you know people baseball teams are no longer paying on what people did they're paying based on what they think people are going projected
1: to do. future value yeah right
0: and projections re- projections regress yes and i i think that's what he's bemoaning
1: yeah okay i can see that i i can i can buy that i can buy into it i like that i can agree i can agree to that too um
0: the so the other thing is money yes what did, what did boris say about money
1: on the luxury tax and this is the entire quote our previous commissioner aka bud Selig, puts rails on the system because he was concerned that owners could not control themselves, i.e. spending too much money on deals. Boris then continued the luxury tax restraints on free agency. Yet this current commissioner, a.k.a. Manfred, has said that the system is wonderful. It's great, and they're abiding by it. They're more disciplined. Well, if that's the case, let's remove the rails.
0: And of course Boris would want the rails removed because the rails are what's keeping spending under control because as as smart as teams have gotten it only like it only takes one team to be like here's 40 million dollars a year Anthony Rendon
1: I I said it when the CBA was signed in 2013 and I will try and dig up the tweet tweet thread and read it next week if I can find it that the new luxury tax system would only hurt mid-market teams like the Nationals who go above the luxury tax. And I said yeah. it means they will only be able to keep in the long term one of Strasburg, Harper and Rendon in what's going to happen.
0: No no team in baseball will like verbally and actively commit and say like we're going over the luxury tax. It's like it, it's not a, it's not a cap but it feels that way they for a lot of They are treating it as a hard cap, and right, I think, right.
1: to me, this reads, let's remove some of the rails on the punishment of the luxury tax. The luxury tax is great, and it's working. However, when you're over for three years and you lose your first three draft picks and you lose 60% of your international slot money, that is more restrictive on free agency than it should be.
0: Yeah, it's like restricting spending doesn't spread talent around like it should in theory. It just, it, it spurs different ways of thinking and different yeah. ways of accruing talent. And diff, like how, how you
1: know, but yeah, how there's I,
0: no sal, there's no salary cap that's suddenly going to no, make all 30 teams competitive.
1: No, 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 there's never going to be. And do, if you need to believe, look at proof of it, look at the NBA. Um, how I read this quote was let's not remove the luxury tax Let's remove the penalties in addition to the tax itself.
0: Well, uh, so what do you mean specifically? Because I know if you if you go over a certain amount, you get taxed X amount, and then and there's then a second. And then if there's barrier. a second year.
1: so uh, yeah. it's and it goes up, every, and, and the first line goes up, kind of every year. It fluctuates. It actually went down yeah. this year. It's back to two hundred and six point two million dollars. If you're over, it's like.
0: 20%, right, if you pass first,
1: that first First one? First year is 10%, second year is 20%, 3rd year is 50 okay. Then at, I believe, $236.2 million, it is 25, 50, 100% Yeah, for second and third year. However, the reason teams go over for two years and then get under one year, like the Nats did this year, is because that third year— Like the year, Yankees are
0: trying to do. And
1: what the Yankees are trying to do is no matter how little you're over the third year— you also lose any draft pick compensation you get from your free agent signing elsewhere. Your first three draft picks, and you lose sixty percent of your international slot money.
0: That, that that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff.
1: Let's remove, especially with how
0: highly value, uh, draft picks are valued. So exactly
1: how I read this quote from Boris is: Let's remove those rails. Is let's remove the draft picks. Let's remove the international slot money and let's let it be an actual luxury tax, not a implied salary cap if you stay over for three years.
0: So you would, you would know this better than me. Has any team – no no team has ever incurred that.
1: Yes, they have. One team has. Who? who? The L.A. The Dodgers. Dodgers. Yep.
0: Yeah, figured they, if it was anyone, they, they it was they were, them, two, they
1: were at $254 million their third year they were over when they had Gonzalez and Beckett and everybody – and I think oh, yeah. they paid a hundred and fifty-four million dollars in luxury tax that year. They paid almost yeah. four hundred and ten million dollars on their payroll.
0: It, it makes sense that it would be them because I know when they got their new ownership group, they were just like money's not an object, make it right.
1: Yeah, but I when I read that quote, it's like let's remove the draft pick, let's remove the draft picks and the, and the luxury tax or, or and the international money. Let it be a real luxury tax cap because then it's not an implied salary cap. Um, also. The best Boris quote in this interview is the next one. He was asked about why he thought attendance dropped in MLB this year. When you go to the zoo and half the bears are asleep, you're not able to enjoy the zoo. The industry is in a competitive hibernation, and you see the fans reacting to it.
0: For the record, Pete Alonso played in almost every game. The polar bear is never asleep.
1: Right, and they were one of the few teams that were competing this year.
0: Yeah, so yeah. it the the teams that tend to do strong in attendance continue to do strong in attendance and yeah. then the the bad the bad teams don't. It's like if teams are bad and complaining that they're not getting they're yeah. not selling tickets. It's like come on. Like we see what you're doing.
1: Yeah, we are. We we actively see what you're doing. However, one weird thing that I have found out is and there's a whole study on this, the Wall Street Journal did a great article on it back in August, was free agency signings spike attendance their first year and then slowly decline, where if you win, it lags a year behind, which is why the Mets' 2015 attendance was lower than their 2016 attendance.
0: Makes sense.
1: It's absolutely wild like that it's crazy but yeah there's a whole there's a whole
0: problem what i'd be curious about is like the graph like of a a winning season's attendance yeah like you know like like let's say the nationals this year did was their attendance like you know a dip in the beginning and then a slow climb until the end of the year it was i'd be curious about that it was and, and, and that makes sense
1: so their month by month attendance their lowest month was june their highest month was september
0: Yeah, very much makes sense.
1: And they were expected, projected by ESPN, to have a 9,000 attendance drop from 34,000 to 26,000 because of losing Harper. And they ended up only losing 3,000 and averaging 3,100 this year, or 3,1,000 this year.
0: It's still kind of wild that the World Series champions had a dip.
1: Well, they weren't expected to be good this year, and they weren't good for the first Mm -hmm. month and a half. Like, I could still get cheap tickets, like, $20 off face value, you know, in August, late August. Um, And the last quote from Boris, which I think kind of sums up my feelings on baseball right now pretty succinctly, which is, Clubs feel there are greater rewards for losing than winning, and there's nothing to drive them to win because they don't think it's smart.
0: So the the last thing I'll, I'll say about all this and Boris in general is just like I, I, I think there's I, I think there's a way to tank that is less offensive than what the Orioles are doing.
1: I, I mean we just talked about it with the Orioles the way the Orioles did it offensive the way like the Padres did it a couple years ago and the Reds or are, the Astros or the Astros or the Nats or the Reds are doing right now way less offensive. Tigers and Orioles kind of same level, although they still yeah. have Miggy and stuff to. Celtic like, there's there's
0: a big difference. There's a big difference between feeling out your young players and and seeing what kind of talent you got and having an evaluation year, and then keep, compared to keeping them down in the a four player,
1: and keeping all of your prospects down in the minors to control them as long as possible. Um, okay, so we lied last week. There was one managerial spot still open.
0: It's not surprising that we missed it because who cares about pirates,
1: right? Uh, They hired Derek Shelton, who apparently has been in Major League Baseball as a coach since like 2002 or 2003, and I had never heard of him. Um, Finished his runner-up for the Mets and Royals job this year. Longtime hitting coach, three-year bench coach for the Twins, survived the switching Twins switching what two years ago to the manager they have now.
0: For for what it's worth, like, you, he, apparently he was a runner-up for the Mets job. I literally had never heard his name.
1: Yeah. He apparently finished in the top three in terms of their preference for the Mets managerial position. Okay. Yeah. I have no idea who he is. Yeah. I don't know. He was part of that Rays staff near the end of – why can I not remember his name? Madden's tenure – and was one of the few coaches that didn't go to the Cubs. He wanted to stay in Tampa and oversaw the transition. And so, like, he has a pedigree that shows he could potentially be a good manager because the Madden tree has produced some good managers now.
0: Yeah, and if you if you're around the the Rays of a handful of years ago and the more recent Twins teams, like those are uh, those are good coaching staffs with uh nice reputations.
1: I truly believe they are actually going to follow through with what the new GM said and they're going to be a more analytics stats driven organization going forward. And so I think I think if that's their requirement, they hired the right guy. <laughs>
0: That's cool. Now, please trade the Mets Starling Marte.
1: Yes, right. I want th- I want the hot stove lit AF, man.
0: All right. So, uh, a fun thing that the MLB... like We we don't want to dedicate that much time to the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, no. managerial no. situation. Because, I mean, I don't think yeah. the
1: Pittsburgh Pirates fans care that much about it either.
0: Yeah. All right. So, uh, move, moving on to uh, a fun thing that the MLB did recently. They are doing an all-MLB team, which is yes. CART. It's not like, it's not like an all-decade team. It's, no. it's just you know, the, the, the best team of 2019.
1: And they apparently made a deal with the MLBPA where if a player makes the all-MLB team that did not make the all-star team, it will activate all-star bonuses and contracts.
0: And hearing that was the first time where I perked up, and I was like, oh, I like this idea now. Because do until then... Well- yeah, un- until then it sounds like fluff. It's just like, okay, like cool. It's just something to get people talking and try to drive interest maybe, which you know, t- uh, the league needs to do. But at, you know, at the same time it doesn't bring any value to anything. Yeah. But when you're actually benefiting the players and Especially maybe benefiting when
1: labor apocalypse is looming. Oh my god. Yeah.
0: But so uh w- when we talked about this, my first uh, my-, my first uh, response was why like what's the point and uh we we talked about the all-star thing and i'm like oh you know what that could be good because now you've got potential spots for guys like your don alvarez as the dh maybe or uh yeah you know, guys that had slow first halves or maybe weren't around at the first half at all yeah so uh because the i i'd bet that the all mlb team is pretty close to the all-star team
1: yeah i i would think so too
0: so giving that all-star incentive, it's like, why? And, you know, you're opening up the possibility for guys who maybe didn't get enough all-star love.
1: Yeah, and I, and I really, really like that. So we're just going to run down who we're voting for because I'm voting every day for my team because this is – I actually really like the concept. I love a all-star after the season team. All right, so uh,
0: quick lightning round, position by position. Who's cool. your catcher?
1: JT RealMuto.
0: Same, and if it's not Ramuto, it's it's Grendel.
1: Yes, but, uh,
0: agreed. The the they're the only catchers nowadays that combine that level of offense and defense. Yes, Ramuto's right. year of defense was unbelievable by the metrics. Yes, it was. So first base,
1: Pete Alonso. Come on,
0: Pete Alonso, and I, I think the only uh, the only guy who you can argue might have gotten it otherwise, uh, Freeman, maybe Muncie.
1: I, I would argue Freeman more than Muncie to be honest.
0: Yeah. So uh, Alonso's year was historic, and uh, I think he deserves it.
1: Yeah. And I'm biased. Absolutely. I no, I totally agree. Although my name on Twitter for like a couple months this season was Pete Alonso's stand. So. Uh, this is a this is a tough position for me. Uh, it's second base. Marcus Simeon. Wait. Yes. No. Did you, DJ Lemayhew. Yeah.
0: Uh, Lemayhew Le feels like the. <laughs> Lemayhew Le is like the easy answer. Uh, I. I, I like Albie's.
1: I I I had a hard time picking between Albie's and Lemay or Lemayhu, to be honest.
0: I I, I might go Albie's at the end of the day because uh, just because he was second base every day, whereas Lemayhu was more not utility, but he did move around. Um, and Albie's definitely brings a stronger defense, the the switch hitting, the speed. I, I think Lemayhu was probably better this year, but I do like what Albies brings yeah. to a team. All, All right. right. So third base,
1: Anthony Rendon. Come on, got to be. Yeah, I think I think I I and one reason I like this is is it's after the postseason, so that if a player does well beyond the end of the regular season, you can include that in this. Six RBIs in Game Six and Seven, I think you got to put him on the list of third base.
0: So I will say I think Bregman is a better player. Yes, I think he had the better year. But yeah. if this is supposed to take the postseason into consideration, also, uh, I, I, I think this was a, a Rendon year.
1: Yep. All right.
0: Uh, although, if I had to vote, I'd struggle. Yep. I have not voted yet personally. All right, shortstop.
1: I said Marcus Simeon.
0: Yeah, Simeon Simeon was amazing.
1: I I mean I mean cherry picking stats. It was a Babe Ruthian season.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> Because Simeon had That's one so of those so things crazy. where it's like Thaddeus Young, where it's like, oh, only like three players ever have had a similar season to Thaddeus Young, and it's like LeBron and Larry Bird.
1: Yeah. But, uh, it's so weird. Uh, uh,
0: so shortstop is like possibly the deepest position nowadays. Yeah. Uh, there's an argument to be had for like Bogarts maybe.
1: Yeah. but I, I, that was a, This was the other really tough one I had because to me it was between Simeon's and Bogarts.
0: Fangress has nine guys as putting up a four war season or better for shortstop. Oh wow. That's it's it's a deep position nowadays. But yeah, i remember I think, how I weak think it was like, the like guy. ten
1: years ago. All right. Oh, DH. Yeah.
0: Yep. Uh it's it's between Cruz and Alvarez, right? Yes.
1: Uh probably Alvarez. Cruz. I, I think I love me some God. Nelson, dude. I can't, I can't, I, I can't I even Cruz lie. That's a biased like, pick. I love, I love. Me some I feel Cruz. like
0: voting, voting for Cruz is like a lifetime achievement award, right? Because like on a, on a,
1: didn't he have forty one at- home runs this year?
0: He was very good, but uh, quality wise, Alvarez was better. Quantity wise, Cruz gets it, and I, it's because he was there all year.
1: I mean, three hundred and twelve batting average, forty one home runs. I, I went Nelson Cruz. All right, three votes at outfield uh trout yep yelich bellinger man i went no mike trout on this go on i went i went all nl i went asuna bellinger and soto
0: really soto over trout
1: yeah if this is including postseason dude where was mike trout golfing (laughs)
0: I can't. I can't get. Into I literally. This right now. I
1: no. I, I. I literally opened up this guy. Seriously though, I literally opened up this guy Ozzie, when I looked at my outfield and I was like, "Crap! I forgot Trout."
0: We are. We are too close to the end of this podcast to get into this right now. But just know that I am appalled.
1: I will seriously be putting in Mike Trout on my next ballot. Don't worry. I legit. You I legitimately right. forgot Mike Trout. God damn right you will. I'll probably put him in over Bellinger though. To be honest. All right, who are your uh, who are your pitchers? Starting pitchers. All right. Patrick Corbin, Jacob DeGrom, Jack Flaherty, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander.
0: Really Corbin? Yes. All right, that's a take. But uh so my guys Cole, DeGrom, Scherzer, Verlander,
1: Morton. Yeah, and by the way, I will say it was a coin flip for Verlander versus Cole for me.
0: It's it it it, it is a take to not choose one of the Cy Young winners as one of the five best pitchers. I
1: know. <laughs> i know
0: but uh no i love morton i i love uh what he does his stuff his control yeah. he's he, he seems to get better every year it's insane uh verlander's verlander scherzer scherzer Colin degrom it, like what, it, what is there to say and
1: honestly with like with my picks with like corbin and flaherty it was like rewarding second half performance not really the cy young of course corbin also You know, had that like 0.89 ERA in relief, but like a 6 ERA as a starter in October, which was weird. But so that was what did it for me, especially the fact he pitched like three one hit innings in game seven. And Jack Flaherty, I thought, just didn't get any love this year.
0: Well, he didn't get any love because he was terrible for two months.
1: Yeah. So, this looking at all the season now and the season being over, I was just like, I feel like he should be up there. I also realized I went four NL guys. Again,
0: no bias here.
1: No bias. Um,
0: so the thing about Flaherty, I think, uh, I, I think next year we're going to be looking at Flaherty like uh, we looked at Snell this year, where we're like, yeah, he was great, but he had like a 240 Babbitt. And uh, I, I think we're do some, I think we're due for some Flaherty hot, hot, uh, regression. Hot, hot
1: take, he's going to be top five for Cy Young next year, even with the regression on the Babbitt. Oh, I,
0: I, I 100% believe it. I can, I, you know, I, right. I believe that in a heartbeat. Let's wrap this uh, relievers. up, believers. How many relievers are you supposed to Two. take for this? Two. Two? Ooh, tough. tough. Uh, you know who I'm not going to take? Two. Josh Hader and Aralis Chapman.
1: I did not take them.
0: Yeah, good job, MLB, on those relievers of the year.
1: Great job, dudes. I uh, went... Hendricks,
0: Hendricks and Yates for me.
1: Yes, we agree on one.
0: The only thing I might change is uh, I, I might go Homer and uh, and pick Lugo over one of those guys. But really, they were. I, I think they were far and away the two best relievers. Over this year.
1: which one though?
0: I don't even know because it, it would be a totally homer pick. So I don't even care. I
1: because I, I, I was at random. I was actually strongly considering going Lugo and Yates.
0: So I I, I think if I axed one, it would be Yates because Hendricks Hendricks pitched eighty three innings lugo yeah, pitched true. 80 innings yeah. yates pitched 60 so both Hendricks and lugo pitched 25 percent more sorry uh 33 percent more innings than uh than yates
1: yeah
0: so yeah uh i i that's all of them right that's every position holy yep. shit that loud timer it means we are right about yeah it up. means
1: we're out of out of time man always 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 appropriate um Hopefully the hot stove gets lit over Thanksgiving weekend and we have some more fun stuff to talk about next week or we'll be forced to drag out some of our pocket topics. Um, you, know,
0: you know who really hopes that doesn't happen? Every baseball writer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel really Imagine right. being at Thanksgiving
0: dinner and it's like Cole
1: signed. Damn it. R- remember, remember when Jason Wirth signed Thanksgiving night? hmm Yeah. I bet they had a really fun Thanksgiving evening. No, I'm sorry. I have to go to work. Anyway. Hopefully it gets lit on Friday after the writers are done with their yes, Black Friday shopping. Yes. There we go. That's the appropriate answer. Um, but from all of us here, the two of us happy Thanksgiving. We will see you all next week until then. Peace out.